Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. As Lucas said, I am Jonathan Keller. Um, if I have not met you all that you yet, I would love to meet you afterwards. Um, yeah, and it's cool for me now as I'm on my way out that as, as, as I was preparing this sermon, um, I got to recount of some of the stories of how I've seen God work in y'all's lives and through my life um, as I've shared it with you. And I'm glad that this sermon will get to touch on that tonight as we explore um, what Paul has to say. So, as Lucas said, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians. Uh, I, what happened last week, I think Lucas talked about it, was that Paul was about to say something and then he cut himself off and said a bunch of wonderful things about this mystery of the gospel um, that has been given to him to give to the Gentiles. And now I get to pick up on what he meant to get to um, in the previous verses. So, with that being said, we'll, I'll read... Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, then I'll pray and we'll get into it. Um, So you can follow along with me on the screen. Uh, For this reason, I, Paul, bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Let me pray for us one more time. Um, Father, we come to you uh, thankful that you don't just sit there up in heaven and bark incoherent orders at people down here, but you've given us your word to help us to understand you, to help us understand your character, to help us understand Jesus and the Holy Spirit, um, and to help us understand ourselves. Um, So, I pray that you would give us all understanding by the power of your spirit, that you would teach us tonight, um, that you would encourage us to love you more uh, and to love each other more. Um, And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I want you all to do a little uh, activity with me and tell you to close your eyes and don't open them until I tell you to. So everybody, close your eyes. Picture in your head a time when somebody has loved you incredibly whether that's they gave you a warm hug or they baked you the thing that you really, really love, whatever love is to you, picture that right now, picture that person. How do you feel? What sensations are you feeling in your body? Okay, open your eyes. Some of you might have all the warm fuzzies, you know, tingling in your body and stuff. And that's because God designed you to respond that way to love. 
God designed our bodies and our hearts to respond and thrive in love. There, if, if some of y'all are biology majors and there's two hormones, oxytocin and dopamine, that are released whenever we receive love. And scientists have actually done studies that link these two systems together to show us, oh wait, this is actually a necessary part of our bodies. And they've done studies on babies in orphanages and as they grew up to see, well, what happens when we don't receive love and care when we grow up? And lo and behold, there's higher infant mortality rates and they have stunted growth. So biologically, we need love. And you also know what it's like not to be loved. You know what it's like to be lonely and, and, and to sit there in your own sadness and, and bitterness toward other people and say, man, the world just sucks. You know what it's like emotionally to not have love. And so we need, to, we need love to thrive physically. We need love to thrive emotionally. And Paul is telling us tonight that we need love to thrive spiritually. Um, and so what... Paul's been getting at for a few chapters now is this big thing called the church is not just Jews anymore. It's Jews and Gentiles. It is anybody. God says the doors are open. Anybody can come now. And in chapter two, we learned just how the Gentiles come into the church. And now Paul is saying, God, build up your church through Christ's love. So we're going to see three parts about Christ's love toward us tonight, that Christ's love strengthens us. Christ's love bonds us, and Christ's love awes us. So we're going to see how his love strengthens us, bonds us, and awes us. Um, So first, Christ's love strengthens us. We read in the first few verses that Paul is praying that according to the vast riches of God's glory, that he would grant us to be strengthened with power through God's spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, so that we can be rooted and grounded in love. He's saying that for us to have the, the strength to comprehend, to believe in Jesus, we need to be rooted and grounded in his love. Those, that's, that's a double picture, rooting and grounding. That's agriculture, like a you know, tree having roots underneath and, and getting all the nutrients it needs, and grounding as in like the foundation of a building. But I mean, we have tons of trees over in Yukon. Like y'all walk on the lawn every day and you know how windy it gets here too and you know that none of those trees have ever been felled in our time by wind why there's two parts first they're rooted they have really deep and thick roots that are kept in soil that has all the nutrients necessary for their growth these trees never die because there's all the nitrogen there's all the carbon there's all the water and stuff that they need to thrive Right? If they were wilting, if they were dying, you know, other than the, the wintry seasons every year, you would see them die. And they're also grounded by the pressure of all the soil holding them in place. If you take you know, a little plant out of its pot, you can see all the roots, and they just dangle in the air right there. And they're not holding onto anything. But because there's soil for their roots to grab onto, whatever wind passes their way doesn't matter. They won't be blown over. That's the pit. Those are the two pictures that Paul wants us to grasp onto that like the soil holds down and feeds the trees, Christ's love is to hold us in place and feed us. Why? Well, we just saw with, with the biology argument that 
we are supposed to thrive on his love. We are like trees, and we need Christ's love to thrive. Without him, without the word that we're getting from him right now, we would die. It's not just that we become Christians and we don't need to stay in his soil. We need, we need his word to encourage us every day. That's why, you know, we say, hey, come to RUF not just once, but like week after week after week. Because we know, I know, Lucas knows, y'all all know that life does suck. That wins do come. That exams do come. That senior projects do come. That relationship troubles do come. And you can be blown over by those. You can be knocked down by those. You can disbelieve in Christ because of those. Because you can say, God, where are you? God, where are you when all my life is broken? Where are you when all my life sucks? And Paul is saying, God, will you please ground your church in your love so that when these times come, they will not be blown over. But we're not alone in this. And that's Paul's second point. That Christ's love not only strengthens us to believe in him, but it also binds us and bonds us together as his people. Look in uh, verse 17 and 18. So it, it says that Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, and that you is not a singular, it is a y'all from Texas, that y'all being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. There's an el- there is a corporate element to this. There is a group component to knowing how much Christ loves us and being rooted and grounded in this faith. So I think if you all haven't had it yet, you're going to have group projects, right? And in your mind, there is probably, I can almost hear your eyes rolling at group projects. Because what happens? Like, right, it's beginning of the semester or it's halfway through the semester, whenever it is, professor says, professor says hey, group project time. Now get into all these random groups with these people that you may or may not know. And you might be the one person who actually wants to do a good job. Then you get paired with the other person who's super lazy and doesn't do anything. And the other person who's like, I'm done. I don't show up to class anyways. And you're like, I'm over it. You haven't even started and you're over it. Group work for us sometimes doesn't carry that good of a connotation. But now think if you've ever been on a mission trip or you've ever been on a service project or some, something where you are going to do something else with a group of people. Oftentimes, you'll go away on your service project or your trip and get to know these people really well because you're doing a lot of stuff together. And when you come home from the trip, a part of the relational high that you're coming off of is being in super close, rich proximity to these other people. Paul doesn't want the church and his people to be like the group project. He wants it to be like the mission trip, but like all the time. He wants us to be bonded together as we together grow to know how much and how deeply and how, and how long in a time span, and etc., that Christ loves us. So this is a call for us in RUF, because this is a place where we can know each other and see how Christ is working in our lives. This is a call for us to get dinner, to get coffee, to get whatever with each other, so that we can know each other well enough to say, Cheyenne, Rachel, Dylan, I can see how God is moving in your life and how God is loving you. Paul is telling us you need to know each other that much that you can help each other see how God is loving you. 
and that moves us to the last point because Paul is basically saying here, do this big calculus project of find the entire volume of God's love, which is humongous. And so God's love not only strengthens us, not only bonds us because we're doing this work together, but also awes us. Say the word awe. 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 Okay, did you feel your jaw drop? It, like, awe is like one of those words that it puts the expression on your face that you're supposed to have when you think of the word, right? Like awe is that moment when you're like, oh crap, I just blew that exam. Oh crap, I just wrecked my car, or somebody wrecked my car. Or, oh crap, I just got a million dollars, right? Like awe comes in both the horrible sense and in the this is amazing sense when i picture awe i uh think of my trip to japan a a few years ago and me and my mom got to stay at this hotel called the fuji view hotel where you had like a fancy little garden space and you had like a really nice view of mount fuji like i have pictures in like the summer of mount fuji with and without the, the clouds that are like famous around it the bigness, the grandiosity, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about with awe. And that's what Paul is talking about in verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. What Paul has in mind here pertaining to awe is that word, that phrase far more abundantly is basically him being like a little kid saying, that's like a kajillion bazillion. It's like when you make up a word because you don't have a word for how awesome and how big something is. He's saying God's love is really that big. The power of God's love is really that big. Let me illustrate that with a little story. Um, you might have heard some of this before. You might not have. Um, but there's a little boy who his parents died at a young age, so he was orphaned, immediately got in the, in the foster care system, and gets into his first foster home. Not a good situation at all. Um, parents are abusive. He does not feel safe at home. And he, you know, growing up for a few years in this, he gets some really rebellious behaviors, and he starts to wet the bed pretty continuously. So the foster parents are like, we have it, we've had enough of this, get him out of our house. Goes to a second foster home. They, you know, they're a little bit better than the first parents, but they're still like, it, it's pretty time consuming to wash this kid's sheets all the time and deal with his, all, all his behavior. So they ship him off to the third foster home and same deal. So the kid's been through th- three foster homes. The foster care worker's like, what am I gonna do? And the kid asks like, am I ever gonna have parents? And the worker says, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Then one day in comes this older couple, probably mid-40s, um, and they say, hey, we'd love to adopt a kid, like a little bit older, um, not like a baby or anything, but a little older. And if he's a trouble, if he's a troublemaker, if he's been a problem case, like we have no problem with that, we'll take him. Um, so the foster care worker says, well, I've got this kid. We'll try him out. And they say, that works. So a few months go by, and they're, they're on the track to foster first and then, and then adopt. And they finally get him, all the paperwork goes through, and, they can find, and they're going to celebrate. They're going to bring him home. They're going to bring him to dinner, and then they're going to take him home for their first night together. Um, 
And at dinner, you know, he's starry-eyed. He's like, are they going to be the parents? Are, am I going to stay with them? Um, they're having a good time at dinner. They seem to be really clicking. And towards the end of dinner, the, the father says, now, wait a second, I've got a gift, gift for you. And he, you know, goes down to reach below his chair to get the gift. And the kid's so excited, he almost jumps out of his chair, but bumps into the table and knocks over his new dad's uh, drink and spills it all over his lap. Now the kid's like, it's not even my first day. I've already screwed it up. Am I going to get sent back to the foster home again? Dad doesn't even say anything, mops it up with his napkin, gives the kid a wooden plane. And he says, I thought you might like this because remember, we would come by the foster home and you were always playing with the planes and reading these books about airplanes in World War II and stuff. And they get home later that night um, and they're tucking him in and, and introducing him to his new room. And dad walks out, mom's almost walking out and the kid asks, so I have a question. Mom says, what is it, honey? Um, he says, well, what if I wet the bed? What's going to happen? And she says, well, then I'll just wash the sheets and wash your clothes. And he says, well, what if I keep doing it? And she says, well, I'll just keep washing your sheets and washing your clothes. Like, that's not going to, you're part of this house. You're my son. There's nowhere you're going to go other than stay here. And he goes to sleep that night, sleeps through the night doesn't wet the bed, never wets the bed again. And the, and the parents patiently work with him in all his behavioral issues and you know, goes on to get a career and a family of his own. The far more abundant love that Paul is talking about, that he's gawking at, is the kind of love that the parents showed the kid. Because we're the kid who wets the bed and who trashes our foster, home, our foster parents' place all the time. We're the one who trashes God's creation all the time. We're the one who trashes our relationships with each other. And God comes to us and not only gives us handmade gifts for everything that we could ever need, but says, yeah, I'll clean up your mess as much as you make it. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Jesus is our detergent for our sin because in his death, we now have life and we're welcomed into God's home. And when God says, you're never leaving this place, you are my son. You are my daughter. He's serious. It's sealed. It's done. And so I have two challenges. It's simple. Run away from your sin and run towards community and towards Jesus. Because living in sin is basically us going into our, you know, our good foster parents' home and saying, screw this, I'm going to go live on the streets. The sheets are nice. The clothes are nice. The amenities are nice but I don't want it any, anything to do with this. That's you living outside of the love that God has already shown you. So what, whatever that is for any of us, we need to run away from that and towards Jesus, towards his love and towards community with each other. If you can look at somebody else in this room and you don't know how God is working in their life, get coffee, get a meal with them ask them questions like be so curious about their lives that by the end of that conversation you can tell them this is how I see God working in your life let's be the kind of community that Paul is asking God to build up let us be grounded and rooted 
in the love of Christ. And now let me pray for uh, God to do that work among us. Um, Father, we thank you for opening up Ephesians to us. Um, We thank you um, that Paul, so many thousands of years ago, um, that he knew that a bunch of uh, rando people in uh, in Connecticut would be meeting on a Wednesday night like this. And he, and he knew that the gospel would even reach Gentiles like us. And he was praying for people like us. Um, and so we do pray, Father, that you would root and ground us in Christ's love, that you would root and ground us um, in your steadfast love, in your steadfast mercy towards us, um, that you would draw our eyes away f- from sin, that you would draw our eyes away from righteousness, and you would draw us toward your goodness. Um, Would you also help us with creative ways to get to know each other? Would you help us with creative ways to love each other and to encourage one another um, in knowing you more and in loving each other better? Um, In Christ's name we pray. Amen.